Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arse Blog Arsecast right here on arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thanks for being here as ever. If it sounds a little bit strange, it is because I am not at home. I'm not in my studio. I'm not with my my good mic, my Shure SM7B mic. So uh, I'm improvising a little bit this week. I'm sitting in a hotel room in London, in Camden. I'm looking out over Camden Lock, uh, the back of Camden Market here. It's uh, grey in London. It's fucking freezing in London, and I'm a bit tired because uh, I, had, I had an early flight. And what tends to happen with me when I've got an early flight is I get anxious about uh, not getting enough sleep the night before. Even though I go to bed quite early and I'm tired and I was reading and my eyes were heavy and I took off my glasses and I put down my book and I turned off the light and I went ding, wide awake, wide awake. And uh, stayed wide awake until much later than I would have liked. But I did get some sleep in the end, and then the alarm went off. I got up, and I wrote Arse Blog yesterday morning, headed for the airport. A fairly routine flight into Heathrow. Uh, took the tube up as far as uh, King's Cross, walked up here to Camden. And here I am now in this hotel room. And I'm in London not simply uh, for the incredible game that's coming up this weekend against Hull City. I mean, I know it's, it's one of those fixtures that people all over the world they flock to it's like the highlight of our season Arsenal versus Hull City at home there isn't a bigger game on the calendar I don't care what you say it's not for that I'm doing something tomorrow morning which is really exciting and quite cool Uh, I I don't know if I should talk about it because I'm so nervous about this and a bit, you know, anxious about it going well that I feel like if I say it out loud, although I have already said it when I was quite drunk the other night on Mixler. Okay, here's what I'm doing tomorrow morning. Uh, I'm doing uh, a charity breakfast. I'm not cooking the breakfast. I may eat some of the breakfast, but that's not what I'm there for. Even though I make a mean poached egg, let me tell you, my culinary skills are not required tomorrow. It was one of those charity breakfasts where people pay uh, some money to come along and there's a guest of honor and uh, someone facilitates a discussion with that guest of honor. You know, a bit of chat about their life, their career, etc., etc. It is, of course, very much Arsenal focused, which is why I've been asked to uh, to host it and to facilitate the discussion and the Q&A with this particular guest uh, whose name you, you might recognize, Robert Perez. That's right. Robert Perez is going to be the guest at this charity breakfast uh, tomorrow morning. So I am both excited, uh, both excited. No, there's more than two things. So I'm excited and nervous and slightly aroused. No, I am. I'm just very excited about doing this because obviously Robert Perez is a a big hero of mine, as you'll know, if you're a regular uh, reader of the site and listener to the podcast. So that's going to be, that's going to be something. So I'm doing that really early tomorrow morning. Um, 
And and that's why I'm here. And that's why I'm having to record the Arsecast in a hotel room in Camden. So that explains it all. Um, I do, I, I mean, because I'm away and I don't have the same, let's say, time or focus uh, to do an Arsecast the way that I would, uh, I'm going to be chatting to Hugh Wizzy. I don't know if you know Hugh, he's a kind of a YouTube guy, uh, but a big Arsenal fan. And uh, we're going to chat about the last week, which, uh, you know, frankly, hasn't been that enjoyable as weeks go from an Arsenal perspective. It's been uh, it's been pretty grim. The only thing is, you know, as frustrated as we all are, when they wheel out people from the depths of of the dregs of the bottom of the earth under the rock of football to come out and criticize Arsene Wenger and call Arsenal fans spineless. I tell you what, doesn't have to get my back up. I mean, we can say it. We're Arsenal fans. We're living it. We're experiencing it. We've been through it. We're, we're the ones who are invested in it. But to call a, an entire group of fans spineless that that's no nah, that's not having i'm not having that no way you can't do that because all you're doing is winding people up and uh you know as i uh, touched upon in the in the blog yesterday the media have got a lot to answer for and a lot of that is simply people saying the most ludicrous things because that's what makes them stand out and that's going to be the basis of some of the discussion that I'm going to have with Hugh Wizzy because he released a video last week and we'll play some of that video, just a little bit of it, when we're chatting to him. I mean, did did you see who they wheeled out this week to talk about Arsene Wenger? And, you know, I, I'm as frustrated by what's going on as anyone. And I, you know, I, I'm of the opinion that it's probably time for a change uh, for all that that entails. And we know that there's a lot more to it than just sacking the manager because you do that, you leave a huge vacuum. But, you know, I, you know, I, I can be of that opinion, but I can also take umbrage when they, they bring out, what, Diego Forlan, William Gallas, William Gallas talking to us about character and about spirit and resolve. The man who sat down on the pitch at Birmingham City, you remember that fateful day when Eduardo got his leg broken? And we drew 2-2, giving away a late penalty. And look, um, what you want in those circumstances is for your captain to rally the troops, not sit down and boo-hoo to himself. No, I'm not having it. There's plenty of criticism to go around and plenty of discussion about the manager and his future, but you can't get these no marks out and start coding him off when they have done precisely fuck all in, in the game in terms of management. Nothing. And it is, it's wind-up stuff. That's all it is. That they're looking for these sensationalist headlines and uh, stuff that's actually perhaps a bit thoughtful or a bit considered or uh, has some thought put into it just doesn't get the same coverage. That is the media world that we live in. And uh, I don't know what we can do about that other than try and address it here and address it on some of the websites that you might read that good people are writing good stuff and good columns and you know read those and when you see those columns share them and spread them because it's the other stuff that gets all the retweets and all the likes and all the reaction to it 
And when you see something that's really good, people go, oh, that's really good. It, you know, this is how you fight back against that kind of stuff is by promoting the stuff that's actually really good and well-written. And I'm not just talking about Arsblog. I'm talking about other websites. There are other Arsenal websites and writers and columnists who are producing good stuff and they need it to be shared. And that's how you do it. That's how you give this stuff more prominence. Uh, and it probably won't make the other stuff go away, but it might even the uh, playing field a little bit or give more people access to the stuff that's actually good and actually a bit thoughtful and considered. So there you go. Anyway, look, here's what we're going to do now. I'm going to put this uh, microphone down. I'm going to go get a drink of water. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk to Hugh Wizzy. So uh, stay with us. All right, I'm delighted to welcome uh, to the Arscast for the first time uh, a man I, I first met in New York City. Yes. I, I'd seen one of your videos, and you came and did a video with me, and you pointed this tiny little camera at me. <laughs> I went, is, is that all you're using for the videos? <laughs> Hugh Wizzy, welcome to the Arscast, man. Thanks very much for having me. Delighted to be here. Oh, my pleasure. Now, uh, how are you feeling in general terms, um, let's say from where you are now, Compared to where you might have been ten days ago, before the Watford game, maybe. Uh, blimey, it's been a it's been a roller coaster ride of emotions, really, hasn't it? As per usual with this club, <laughs> um, you know. I, I suppose going into the Watford game, I really did think that three points was not guaranteed, but it was something that we were going to come away with. Mm. And having lost that game and seen how in the first 15 minutes how we were literally torn apart and as per usual I think of late of how slow we started how vulnerable we look and how we seem to be quite reliant on being reactive as opposed to proactive sure Uh, I left that game thinking that we'd blown it and that didn't instill me with the confidence that I think we as a club would have needed to go into the Chelsea game with a little bit more positivity. Sure. And, you know, obviously the Chelsea game was just another edition of what has become a recurring theme at Stamford Bridge. Yeah. Um, We've seen that film before. Indeed. So I wasn't perhaps as crazed as I think some people were after it. Right. In fact... I've become worryingly apathetic towards the whole thing, really. Actually, yeah, I did see it. I can't remember where I saw it, but like it was either somebody on my Twitter or someone left a comment on uh, the website, and they basically said that their their emotion level throughout the game against Chelsea remained constant. They didn't have highs or lows, even though things uh, bad things happened to us. They didn't. Have, they just didn't. They didn't feel as like they're almost inured to the sensation of, oh look, here we go again. Well, I don't think we have really done ourselves any favors. We haven't. Well, I suppose you can't really make the excuses that I think so often we have before, mm. simply because it really does appear to be a lack of preparation. Um, you know, Chelsea having experienced the 3-0 defeat that we instilled and inflicted on them yeah. have made drastic changes they've had uh, a tactical and 
they they have a manager that's really instilled in them and drilled into them a massive change. And I think it's a classic example of something that we have lacked. Well, I mean, would it be fair to say that they're a team that is somewhat greater than the sum of our of their parts? And we, at the moment, when you look at the personnel and you look at what we know they have been capable of, are a team that's some, somewhat less than that. Definitely. I mean, man for man, I don't think that there's much difference with you know, what fans should be expecting or what the club should be capable of. Mm. We should be a lot closer than 12 points off the top of the table. Yeah. Um, and you can say that, you know, Chelsea don't have European football and that uh, they have Kante, for example, that everyone seems to be so keen to point to. But um, I, I'm growing tired of having to keep pointing out the same things, to be quite honest. And I think that that really does explain the way that it explains the position that we're in. It explains the reason that people are so people are fuming now. Mm. And you know, man for man, again, let me point to this: like in the midfield, for example, where they had such impressive passing combinations, where they seem to have this perfect balance between Matic and Kante and Azar doing his thing freely on the break and having been turned into this like organised mind in defence where before under Mourinho he just wasn't looking like he was motivated enough or had had that kind of instruction given to him. Our players, yeah, I was very impressed with Oxford Chamberlain, for example, but where I see Kante kind of mirrored in our Coquelin, we lacked the Matic in Xhaka, you know, mm. and... <sighs> People have pointed so you know, continuously to this flinging of Coquelin, like the, the way that Azad threw him off him. Um, yeah, I mean, there's an, I'll tell you something. I was recording a podcast this week. I'm, uh, it was with Damien Duff. I was just doing the recording. Somebody okay. else was interviewing Damien Duff, right? And they were talking a little bit about Mourinho, obviously, because Mourinho was his manager at Chelsea. And, and Duff talked about the Coquelin thing. And he said, I, I just, I really couldn't believe it. He said, if that was a Chelsea team mm. playing against Arsenal, Coquelin was going down. Mm. If he was doing what, what Hazard did, he go, you know, he, Hazard's going down and he's taking a, he's taking a yellow card. He also told a little story about how during one of the Champions League games, uh, Chelsea lost 2-1 to Barcelona. Larson scored the, the winning goal. And it came from maybe a Chelsea corner and they broke and Wright Phillips, uh, Sean Wright Phillips is running more or less alongside, I can't remember whoever the player was that was breaking, could have been Ronaldinho and didn't trip him up. They crossed, scored the goal and afterwards Mourinho was going absolutely batshit mental. Wright Phillips didn't play for a month. You know, <laughs> the, the funny thing is though that We've already seen that we do have a player who is willing to take people out. But he gets sent off. Then. He gets sent off and wasn't available for the game. Yeah. And, you know, I am adamant that had Xhaka been playing, he would have taken his man down. You know, and as much as people complain that Coquelin didn't or wasn't able to, mm. we do have that player. He just wasn't there. But, I mean, I think what Duff was saying was that it's essentially, it's the team ethic. It's not just down to one guy who's yeah, in that... Yeah. In, so, I mean, it's it, drilled into them. It's drilled into their mentality. That's it, that word. I mean, I'm, I'm so tired of hearing this word with Arsenal. <laughs> but it really is a mentality problem because it's, it's something that 
you know, we see so often how slowly we start to games, how we seem to be, you know, we want to take this like calm approach, this, this let's pass it along the ground, let's work towards the goal, let's build towards it, let's mm. almost pass it into the net at times. Let's not have the aggression, the tenacity that we so often come out in the second half with. You know, even against Watford, we looked so impressive in the second half. It was almost like, you know, people say that Wenger doesn't say anything at half-time, but I just think that's an absolute nonsense. They, they clearly are told to wake the hell up. Mm. But the fact that they don't start that, you know, that's, that way so often is to our own detriment. Yeah, it, it just happens a bit too often for it to be anything other than a condition almost. It's not an accident, you know, it's, it's like a... I won't say a rot, but you know, it's it's something deep within that. Uh, that I, I honestly, I honestly think that that a lot of the players, you know, and people point to the manager, and I, th- you know, this whole thing with Arsene Wenger, I do think that he is, he's a man, he's fallible, he needs to be questioned, and there are questions that need to be asked about the way that the club in general is run. However, it's, the, the players are the same; they have to, I think appear to be less comfortable because they really do start as if they you know they have a relaxed approach to the way that we need to be chasing the hell out of this mm. and I think a lot of the time that is the reason that we're falling so short you know what was interesting to me was during the Watford game you know we don't have a Tony Adams and we don't necessarily have a Patrick Vieira who was you know obviously that inspirational captain and the reason I think we don't have a Tony Adams is because those guys are not ten a penny. They're really difficult to find a guy of that charisma and character and stature and who's willing to take on that responsibility because it is a responsibility to take on. But you can see players like Vieira was much more a player who led by what he did and how he played. He he dragged people with him. And during that second half against Watford, the player who did that for Arsenal was Alex Iwobi. And he's 20 years of age and he's barely played a season. A lot's been put on this guy's shoulders. I, I almost think he's been thrown too far into the deep end, but he has dealt with it quite well. He's very impressive. He shows a lot of potential. He is uh, very good on the ball. He's naturally gifted with the ball at his feet. It's, mm. it's clear to see that he will go very far. And I think that he, you know, it's, it's admirable the way that he's grown so quickly. However, one thing I point to in what you just said is that this is one of the reasons that Arsene Wenger is basically constantly thrown under the bus and the knives are yet again out, is that he has set his standards so high with that invincible side that people constantly use it as a comparison to where we are. And unfortunately, football has changed so much that I find that almost irritating to hear this constant comparison with Patrick Vieira and Tony Adams and these players mm. who, you know, we don't see a player nowadays who has the level up top of Thierry Henry. There just aren't that many players of that ability around anymore, especially when you compare them with what else is available in football. The playing field has been levelled out so much by the money that's been thrown Mm. into football. And, you know, it's not to make excuses about how Manchester City have suddenly, you know, become this powerhouse, financial powerhouse, or how they have, you know, Chelsea have a bottomless pit of money to spend. And it's just that... At Arsenal, I don't think that we can really say that we have that many players that are a level above as we did back in that day. Do you think people's expectations are a bit a bit high in that regard? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I read I read I read a book a while ago, like a few years ago. I think it's called The Making of a Super Club, and um, Arsenal has changed so much from when I grew up. That it used to be this like 
family orientated community thing where you know now it's like this global entity mm. and that's been necessary to take Arsenal to the next level however I'm of the opinion that you know this might be controversial but the board have not really fully backed us to become the powerhouse that we perhaps should be and I don't think that's controversial well I mean I don't want to rock the boat and I don't want to appear to be negative but I feel that at times, one of Arsene Wenger's greatest characteristics or the thing that he'll be most revered for in the future is how he has been able to keep this boat like so steady whilst we have, through the transitional period of moving to the stadium, had to mm. basically do it with kids or like many kids. How we have consistently been there or thereabouts. However, it is now time for us to push on and that's why people's expectations are so high. That's why we want, you know, the club to go out and spend the money on proven players who probably do have more of a winning mentality than players who we have on board at the moment, or many players who we have on board at the moment, who perhaps look a little bit comfortable. Sure. So, I mean, I mean, that was the whole point of the new stadium, was to, to be able to compete with the biggest clubs in Europe, to yeah. not get left behind because people saw that this this was going to happen to a certain extent perhaps not the the influx of the oligarchs and, and the money that was going into clubs but certainly the way football was going uh, uh, Arsenal moved in order to compete but now we have uh, an owner who as far as we can tell has zero sporting ambition for this football club right I mean well not just for this football club he is he's a very shrewd businessman who is invested in plenty of sports clubs you know yeah. MLS NFL basketball you know ice hockey and there's a pattern unfortunately where he seems to be okay with mediocrity or not achieving success which is what these days people are obsessed with mm. in fact I do believe that some people feel we are entitled to and I I do have I do take kind of issue with that because there's 19 clubs in the league that can't win it Right, not can but won't. Won't indeed. Right, it's quite frustrating, in fact, to see that we, however, haven't really, I think, pushed ourselves to the limit that we can. Mm. And I, be- I do believe that if the board were more ruthless, that we would have been much closer, even a few years ago. Because mm. whilst I see that we're making progress. I firmly believe that Arsenal as a club are more capable now of doing things you know, than we were f- five years ago. We simply just haven't really kicked on. Has the, has the balance between the football side of things and the business side of things gone too far the other way that we do have uh, smart businessmen on the board? Uh, and no football minds. And no, no football people. I, Ivan Gazidis uh, is the only person on the board with any real well hang on Ken Fryer who's been at Arsenal down the years uh, but is a man who, who's uh, getting on in years and you know with all with the greatest of respect to him is not somebody for the for the long term future but apart from Ken Fryer there isn't really that person on the board who can turn the focus a little more back towards the football side of things yeah by all means Arsene Wenger is clearly one of, if not the only true footballing mind that's 
that's there and they've become so reliant on the consistency that he brings to the club mm. that is so profitable for the club that it, it we're now beginning to see that as other teams have so many other support systems if you look at a manager like Klopp who is a great man motivator but not necessarily the greatest tactician he has people next to him who are proven tacticians who when they work together can take teams that ne- aren't necessarily full of uh, full of like the best players in the world to the very top or at least to the finals yeah and uh you know it's very frustrating to see because the, again, the knives are really out for us and Wenger yet again. Mm. And how we move on to the next stage is quite worrying because I don't have the greatest faith that the people who are on the board who don't have that footballing knowledge or that love for the club that he clearly does are going to help move us into that period. You know, Will they make the right decision or will they want a manager who is more easily manipulated, who is, uh, you know... <laughs> For want of another word, who is easy to uh, crack and sure, you know, it is a worrying. We're at a worrying stage, really. Yeah, because he has the he has the authority, Arsene Wenger, over pretty much every aspect of the club. You know, nobody can really challenge him. Um, but again, if he goes, like let's say he goes tomorrow, we have this huge vacuum that would exist within the football club in terms of its managerial structures, you know, the coaching, the director of football. So let's throw out a hy- hypothetical. Mm. Like, is there is there a place for Arsene Wenger on the board or is it just... Oh, it, by, all, by all means. I've, but, but is it, I mean, is it feasible? Is it realistic for him to decide, okay, I don't want to be the manager anymore, but given this... Uh, complete lack of football knowledge that you have on the board, I will fulfill those duties. Is it too, does it cast too much of a shadow over a new man if Arsene Wenger is the guy who's still perhaps controlling transfers or, uh, or to some extent, even though he said he, he would never do it, responsible for the selection of a new man? You know, this is why I want Arsene Wenger's book to come out. Yeah. I really <laughs> just want to know exactly what the hell has been going on. Because as much as we say, like, he has complete control over transfers, I'm not sure that he does. Um, for example, you know the Stats DNA, um, mm. this Stats DNA business that Arsenal have bought to, and actually paid more to stop them giving out information to other clubs. It, that's the way that we've got El Nini. It's the way that we've got Gabriel and other players. However, he has gone on record before, whilst even such talent is out there as like an Antoine Griezmann while he was at Sociedad mm. he's already pointed to the fact that he would be interested in signing the player yet we either don't sign the player uh, or he's told that perhaps as I think is the case with Griezmann that he wasn't going to turn into the player that he now is but, but who's telling him that who can overrule him Honestly, like I don't have the answer to that, and it's quite possible that you know I'm completely wrong, and he is the guy that is doing that. <laughs> However, um, like I said, I just want that book to come out so I can see exactly what's been going on. Maybe it never will. Maybe he is too much of a, you know, morally aligned guy to ever tell the whole truth. Yeah, he doesn't strike you as the guy who's going to come out with a kiss and tell book. He doesn't, no, which, no. Is, which is incredibly disappointing because I think it would be quite revelationary for people who see it one way and mm. yeah I, he did say didn't he after that famous summer of um, Fabregas and Nazri and he said 
one day there's a book to be written about this summer yeah. alone. You're going, whoa, yeah. there's, a, there's clearly a lot there. I hope he's writing chapters. I mean, the other thing is that I do feel that you take a guy, you know, there are lots of people in the media now who talk about him in mm. respectful terms, but often kind of slyly backstabbing way as well. Um, and there are great players who've left the club and I do wonder whether it's that they have made that decision in part because they really don't see the way that he perhaps hopes that they would see things. I point to like Thierry Henry, for example, who the club may have wanted to cash in on because he was moving on to the latter stages, the plateau or the downturn of his career, mm. but also who may have felt personally that he couldn't achieve any more at the club or couldn't do the things that he could perhaps at a club like Barcelona who are obviously at that next level of being the super club that Arsenal said to us that they were going to turn into and I think that the fact that we've been not sold a dream but well, well, we basically were told that we were going to be at this level. Ivan Gazid has gone on record as saying that we would be able to compete with the likes of Bayern Munich, etc. Mm. However, whether that's the fact that a club like Bayern are so dominant in their own league and consistently can stay at the top and attract these top players and have an incredible transfer policy and just a way of pulling off these great deals or stealing top clubs from other competitors, we haven't been able to do that. Mm. And something will have to change he has to, you know he, we have to be realistic as well he will go eventually whether that be he walks at the end of the season or he's ready to to pass it on or mm. you know whether he quits or is forced out by what is becoming like quite vociferous is you know an, another matter entirely but he will go eventually and it's how i think important that the next guy is to the club and how the planning needs to be so different for us to be the club that we all want us to be. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Uh, on, on a scale of one to ten, how much of that planning do you feel has been done or is being well, done? Well, look, I'd, I'd, <laughs> I've been supporting the club for so long now. Well, like the entirety of the time that I've been watching football mm. and I've seen it go from George Graham. I remember Bruce Rio really, it was very short-lived and it really didn't work out the way that everyone was expecting. But when Arsene Wenger's name was mentioned, I can remember my granddad just being like, who the hell is this guy? 
Mm. And what has this guy done to to deserve this great role? Yeah. And look how that turned out. You know, look at what Arsene Wenger over his tenure has done for the club. It's incredible. Mm. Um, so I'm not always of the opinion that we need this like name that everyone keeps throwing about, the likes of like, Simeone or Allegri. I don't have complete faith even that the board are will want a guy who let's say Simeone for example it, they would run fucking screaming I out just, of the boardroom I with just Diego get the Simeone. feeling that a man who is so demanding is so evidently you know he's so enthusiastic on the sidelines he's the kind of guy that would challenge everything that Arsenal Football Club's board are about whether that be the fact that he does like to spend a lot of money whether the fact that he would completely change the philosophy of the football that's played mm. um forget the fact that he doesn't speak much English that he's already kind of promised that he's going to go to Inter Milan or the fact that he is such an aggressive guy yeah nicely put <laughs> I mean I don't think it's always important that it is a name like that but it's going to be very interesting to see where it goes because you know there's no doubting there's no denying that a guy like that he wouldn't stand for a lot of the things that are going on at the football club at the moment. He certainly wouldn't take mm. this, you know, like I said before, this comfortable mentality that a lot of the players certainly have. He would drop people. He would sell people. People would f be fired. And he would need other tacticians around him. Um, he would need a complete flushing of, you know, the coaches that are in, in place that have been at the club for like 10 to 15 years that just aren't having the impact that I think they should be. Mm. And whilst I do believe that that's necessary, I don't necessarily think it has to be a name that everyone is so familiar with. Mm. So there are plenty of other options out there. And like I said, Arsene Wenger will leave one day. So people should be prepared for that. I certainly... I certainly, even though I'm the biggest advocate of the guy, I think he's an absolute icon. He's a man that is you know philosophical he is uh, he's a great role model and he's done so much for the game in this country especially but all over the world that invincibles team as far as i'm concerned was the best football club in the world mm. and we were he was actually let down by his players in that final even with 10 men we could have and perhaps should have won that game Thierry Henry who's oh. probably the biggest legend this football club has ever seen as far as I'm concerned, he let us down in the final. You know, he may well have been an integral part of getting us there, but he sure. had plenty of five or six clear-cut chances that on his day, Henri finishes. Mm. That's not to really put blame on Henri. Sure. But yeah. it's not just him that's culpable. Sure, I get, I, get, I get what you're saying. But, I mean, he is because of what's going on at the moment, uh, because, of, because of his tenure, because of the length of time that he's been there and, and, uh, and what people will view... I think in some ways unfairly as, as a systemic failure, you know, uh, the sort of failure that 16, 17 other football clubs in the Premier League would love to be able to call failure. <laughs> you know, uh, he is a bit of an easy target at the moment. What did you make of the stuff that was going on this week um, from sections of, of the media, you know, ex-players, not just ex-Arsenal players coming out and absolutely sticking the knife into him after what has been a, a terrible week. Nobody's saying otherwise, but uh, as, as I said in the little intro to this uh, to this bit, that kind of gets my back up. Mm. Now, who are these guys? 
You can say, we can say what we want. We're Arsenal fans. You know, we're going through it and we've seen it. But for these guys to come along, and it, it sort of feeds into this media landscape, doesn't it? Where if you shout really loudly or say something absurd or say something that is probably a wind-up in some cases, that that's what, that's what gets the coverage. And uh, it doesn't necessarily present a, a balanced picture of what's going on. I mean, we're easy targets. Arsenal probably have the biggest, I think almost certainly actually have the biggest voice on social media. There yeah. is the most followed club out there, maybe perhaps in the world on social media. Um, and it's a sign of the times, really, I guess, that controversy sells. People won't click on your link unless it has an outrageous headline. Yeah. And they're well aware of that. Every single TV station, media outlet, you know, YouTube channel, they want people to click on their stuff because that's how they get paid. And I think that ex-players have certainly played on Arsenal fans' emotions. And we are vulnerable right now. We are... You know, emotions are high, you know, generally speaking. You know, depending, uh, you know, Arsenal fans come in all different shapes and sizes, but there, there surely can't be a single Arsenal fan that isn't really disheartened or disappointed when they see the club uh, underperform. And I don't think there's any other way of saying it. I don't think necessarily think there's a, uh, a need for a kinder way to say it, but against Watford and against Chelsea, I think we, we underperformed for what the expectations yeah, of this football uh, club are, right? But, but at the same time as that, you would think that, you know, with the reaction and the response that people... Uh, that we we have after these games that we were being relegated. Like, I dread to think what Sunderland fans go through. I mean, being at the bottom of the table for so long. But is that not just what you're what you're used to? You can't go absolutely, or maybe you do go well, ballistic. This is this is a are thing we not about, are we not used to the top four? Is that? Yeah, I, do, <laughs> I, I get that. I get that. But I do feel that there's a slight sense of entitlement as well. That's kind of. Mm. It's just not right that you should expect to win and if it doesn't happen that the knives get come, you know, they're just... He's being stabbed in the back right now as far as I see. Not just Arsene Wenger, but Arsenal Football Club. They are the easiest way for these media outlets to get a response. I don't know if you remember... I mean, back in the day, you could basically only get your footballing content from a few sources mm. and as people realised that Arsenal were growing so massively they certainly took advantage of it whether it was on radio shows that were you know daily episodes of having fans call in and ridiculing them mm. we're now at a stage where as things have grown so much more that it's just been accentuated and like you said, the louder you shout, the more controversial your statements are, the more bipolar you react or your reaction, the more it goes viral. Sure. Well, I'm going to just play a little clip here from a video you did last week, which oh I guess... God. No, it's, 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 it's not bad. It's it's uh, You're very calm and collected. I think you're cooking in the kitchen or something. Uh, yep. and, and this is just a little bit about that. Yeah, and there's that, right? And then on the flip side, I do recognise that talking sense it just doesn't go viral people aren't they're not interested in sense they're interested in freaking out blood sweat swearing you know smashing chairs that's what gets big that's what that's what people love they want to see destruction chaos comedy so I mean basically what you're saying is that 
common sense or level-headedness or perhaps putting across good, legitimate points in a cool, calm, controlled manner, that doesn't sell. No one is interested in cool, calm and collective. They're just not anymore. <laughs> we want screaming. We want slanging matches. We want, uh, we want people thrown under the bus because... You know, it's a very competitive era that we live in, especially in terms of football. Not only in the market, but in mm. on terms of in terms of the players and these daily comparisons that are thrown out of who is the best and who can stay at the top for the longest. And the you know the the prizes. The let's take for the moment, for example, the money that's available for for clubs right now. Mm. People say that there's like less of an importance thrown on like the FA Cup. I think you win two million pounds for actually winning the FA Cup. So it's just no wonder that when a club like Leicester wins the Premier League, yet the next season the team that comes 18th is going to win more money than Leicester did for winning the Premier League. That in terms of football, mm. it's just being thrown into complete madness. It's chaos. However, there's been one constant throughout this kind of period, this transitional period, and that is that we are still on the precipice of being able to take over or being a top force, a major force in the league. The Do you think that's what drives the, the frustration? Of course it is. Of course it is. Because like I said before, we've been sold this dream that we are going to be that entity. And we're not. I'm sorry, we are really not. Um whether that's the quality of player that we're bringing in not being quite at the level that they should be, mm. whether that's this mentality thing, whether that is the fact that football has moved on and is so tactical and is so demanding of people being as on point as possible and as forward thinking as possible that Arsene Wenger has been left behind and how you know his the over-reliance on the guy at the club means that we are doing ourselves a disservice by not moving forward with the times and bringing in the latest and greatest in you know each particular field. Mm. For example, I don't know how long our goalkeeping coach has been at the club, but I think it's something like, you know, oh, it's over ten years. Yeah, is that having an impact? Are we fresh and are we are we thinking the way that? the modern day goalkeeping coach is because I certainly feel that like we've become slightly lax in terms of not only the goalkeeping but all over the pitch mm. and whereas I don't want to keep harping on about him but I'm but I've been very impressed with Conte you know I'm a great admirer of Arsene Wenger but I appreciate football in general I'm a football fan more than anything and I can recognize that the way that he has come in he has been so adept and eager to you know, the willingness of change that he's shown, the intelligence that he's shown, the language improvement, such drastic language improvement in uh, in terms of his ability to convey his message, to communicate with the media, to instill this and drill this this tactical knowledge and this awareness of your positions. And it's been so impressive and it's quite disappointing. It's almost It's almost infuriating that we were really the main turning point in his ability to yeah. really convince his side that this is the way that we're going to do things. Take, for example, the fact that they play three at the back, but really they're playing five at the back. It's almost like a 5-4-1 when they don't have the ball. Mm. But on each side, they have two guys who are very adept with the ball at their feet in 
Victor Moses, for example, let's take him. He's not necessarily the greatest defender, but he's shown a willingness. He's got... Uh, he's at a transitional stage in his career. He's obviously been given an opportunity, having come back from a couple of loans. He is fighting every time to make sure that he can make something of himself at Chelsea. And because he's so good with the ball at his feet, very ta- I think he's a very talented guy, actually quite underrated. It was really worrying seeing the fact that we have a guy who internationally has played at right back um, in Mustafi, yet decided to play a pure centre-back in Gabriel at right-back, someone who isn't comfortable with with the ball at his feet, and he's being found out time and time again, and I think was actually targeted even against Watford, because they know that he's vulnerable, that he's not that adept at looking forward and passing between the lines, as Mustafi is, for example. He is constantly almost reliant on his centre-back to go back to, it's weaknesses like that. It's it's the tactical decisions like that that are costing us ultimately. Does that not then prey into or or feed into the desire that people have for for change for I, a new I, manager? This is the thing. Like I said before, I'm a complete advocate of Arsene Wenger, but I welcome change. It just has to be done in a sensible way. Mm. It has to be, you know, proactive, and it's gonna it's gonna affect the club massively. So I believe that this is what the board are so worried about. And this is why we haven't seen that change. Because if we had a cutthroat board, if we had a board that were really interested in moving us on to win titles, even to challenge at the top level, and not so, you know, this this you know, this you know constantly spouted out, we finished in the round of 16 in the Champions League, we constantly just go out to Bayern, and mm. we're happy to finish fourth, or we're magnetically attracted to fourth place, or whatever it is. Yeah, I think that, the fact that these guys aren't sports fans, the fact that they're not as in love with Arsenal Football Club and they are more so proving themselves to be in love with money is what is holding us back. Because if there was someone up there who was that interested in the club and they wanted us to win as fervently as someone, I hate to say it, like Abramovich does, who is so willing to chop and change to maintain the top level. Mm, off with his head. Exactly. Then we wouldn't be in this position. Mm. And, you know, like I said, Arsene Wenger will have to go at some stage. He will want to go. It's just a shame. It's a great shame that it's beginning to look like he is tarnishing his own legacy by being so compliant and with the board being so complicit in what's been going on that we are not moving forward in the way mm. that so many people are demanding that we are now. Mm. Well, look, uh, just before we go, we've got a, a Premier League game against Hull this weekend. Yeah. Um, I, on paper, you go Hull at home. Well, I, t- I said know, that. <laughs> but, you know, it's just not possible. But it, it tends to happen with Arsenal that we lose a couple and then get ourselves steady the ship and, and go on. So uh, You would like to think so. Yeah, because obviously uh, there isn't just Hull this week. There's the small matter of a trip to Germany next week as well. So taking something from this game. I mean, in terms of how he sets up his team uh, and the team selection, he's got El Neni back. But would you like to see perhaps uh, maybe just a, a few extra changes? Um, you know, I, I, I would really like to see a front three of Welbeck, Alexis and Lucas Perez, for example. You know, because there is the thing, like, do you give the players who didn't do it against Watford and Chelsea, do you give them another chance? Or does there come a point where you have to say, look, guys, 
you had your chance it wasn't good enough give someone else a go and let's see where we go from there I really hope that he does make changes because I want those players to understand that they are letting him down they are letting us all down and if you don't make drastic improvements that something is going to happen I was really impressed with the performance against Southampton we played with pace we played with intensity we played with hunger and plenty of players were given opportunities and it looked like they were grasping them they were grabbing them Oxlade Chamberlain for example mm. being played in the middle he's realised that this is a massive opportunity Iwobi is kind of he's kind of drifted ahead of him and he is someone that has put in such impressive performances that has made it difficult for Oxlade Chamberlain who's been so inconsistent for so long to get ahead of him mm. <sighs> To then make so many changes from that side after the Southampton game was not only disappointing for me, but it proves that, I mean, Ramsey, for example, who has done so many like heroic things. And if you look back in, at this in hindsight and what he's done for the, the club and what, in, the, in terms of the FA Cup, for example... You know, he's another player that should be revered, but has been so disappointing after the Euros... Maybe he was thrown back into early, I don't know, but it was just worrying to see why he almost was given this kind of favouritism and chosen ahead of players who were beginning to show the, the signs of real improvement and that hunger to want to take us to the next level. And I believe that Ox is one of those players. I believe that he really he has that, that tenacity that you need about him. He's very, very good. He's... He's physical, he's quick, he's good at passing, he's got a great eye for a pass, he can shoot, he's a great dribbler. We've seen like a few examples now of him being so good in the middle that it was just so disappointing to see so many changes made. And hmm. If these players aren't taught that it's not going to cut it, it's not going to wash to perform at that mediocre level, then we're just going to drift and they are going to become... You know, not half the thing. The other thing I'd say is that going into this whole game, we're playing them at a really bad time <laughs> because they have just brought on a manager in Marco Silva who is very impressive. He's got them very organised. He's mm. focused on things like set pieces. And just, just beat Liverpool as well. Just beat Liverpool. Beat Manchester United in the cup second leg. and They won't be afraid, will they? They are going to be flying high right now and seeing Arsenal as vulnerable as we look right now, they're going to be so up for this <laughs> that I'm not as confident as I perhaps should be because we should be confident going into every game thinking and I don't care if it's against Chelsea we should have more belief than we do mm. however on the flip side of that uh, I actually think that now is the perfect time to play Bayern Munich because they are showing a vulnerability themselves they have uh, kind of rifts in the camp where players who are saying that you know the the guys who aren't German aren't showing the hunger and passion that they should. They have they have a couple of injuries, and and of course we've lulled them into a false sense of security. Indeed, <laughs> and we have a a knack of you know perhaps turning up in the second leg or mm. whatnot. But if we can show that hunger and aggression and that that pace and intensity from the beginning, mm. then I do believe that we do have a chance because it's a knockout competition. And whilst people have this like expectation of things are going to work out this way because these guys are better than those guys, football's a funny old game. It's a sport that you know yeah. sometimes can 
more often than not does tend to lend itself to individual errors and if we can take advantage of what will happen and ultimately people will make mistakes if we can make sure that we are not the ones that make those mistakes and we do stand a little chance all right well look they, those could be famous last words or highly prophetic <laughs> i'm gonna I, I, I i'm the next one to be thrown to the lions <laughs> yeah. i hope it's the uh, i hope it's the latter uh hugh thanks a million absolute pleasure mate Big thanks to Hugh uh, for coming in, uh, for giving me his time today. He came all the way to, to the hotel here. And uh, you can find him on Twitter, at Hugh Wizzy, on Instagram, at Hugh Wizzy. Uh, I think he's youtube.com forward slash Hugh Wizzy. You can check out his videos there. And he's also one of the presenters of the Friday night football show live on sportsjoe.co.uk that streams live on Facebook with uh, Dion Fanning uh, and loads of other interesting people there. And it's, uh, it's a cool new thing. So if you haven't seen that, you should check that out as well. So, I mean, look, we've talked about pretty much everything. And, uh, you know, the whole game, obviously, this weekend, as I said to Hugh, I'd like to see a couple of changes in the team and uh, shake things up a bit, freshen things up a bit, give some players a, a chance. I really would like to see Lucas Perez get a chance in the team. Maybe it's just me, but he's, he's looked really good. Welbeck, Alexis, Perez, that'll be a decent front three if that works against Hull, why not? Let's have a go at Bayern with that. But uh, we'll wait and see. Arsene Wenger, a bit cautious at times, a bit reluctant to make too many changes, but I think when your team disappoints in that way, I don't think you've got any choice but to um, but to try and shake things up and to try and give it an injection of something different and players who will perhaps come in and hope that if they do take their chance, that chance is rewarded with selection in the next game and the next game and the game after that. So look, uh, I'm sitting here right now uh, looking out the window, uh, Camden Lock, Camden Market, the lights are on, there's kind of flamey thing going on. It's not an actual fire, but I guess it's one of those outdoor heater things. It looks nice and inviting and uh, I haven't really spent too much time here, so I'm going to go and have a, a wander around that and uh, see where the evening takes me. Uh, I've got my thing in the morning, so I'm keeping fingers crossed that all goes well, and uh, hopefully we'll see some of you in the usual place on Saturday for the whole game. Uh, Looking forward to having a pint before the game and after the game, and hopefully, hopefully we've got... uh We've got something to celebrate, even if it is only victory over Hull. Uh, Thanks for listening, as always, folks. Remember, you can find us on iTunes. You can give us a rating or a review. You can find us on Acast as well. All the archives available at acast.com forward slash arsblog. Thanks, as ever, for downloading, for for subscribing and everything else. James and I will be here on Monday with an Arscast Extra, looking back at the weekend and, of course, looking ahead to that uh, that game against Bayern Munich, that German team that... uh, we know so well so uh, let's hope for a good weekend Uh, take it easy cheers bye bye
Hi, this is the end bit. You know where there's usually a thing or a what's it or a thing me jig or a yoke me doodah? There, there really isn't one this week because, uh, you know, I'm away and uh, I don't have my stuff and my music libraries and my comfortable work environment. I'm out of my comfort zone. So there is no end thing. I'm just sort of sitting here fretting about meeting Robert Perez and what if I do something really embarrassing? Could not be as embarrassing as that time when I was uh, working for a company called Aircom, which is like a telecoms company here in Ireland many years ago. And we, they were hiring new people and I became the manager of the team and we had this four-week training thing all this team-building stuff that went on, and I was going to be their boss. And the end of the training thing, I had to stand up and give a little bit of a speech. And I did, gave the speech. And there was a funny little bit at the end. I just made a little joke. It was quite a funny joke. But it was one of those where you kind of laugh a bit yourself. You kind of go, <laughs> and you snort. And when I snorted, this enormous snot rocket came out of my nose and just hung there in midair, just like a big snot icicle. All I could do was just snort it straight back up. It's a way to get off on the uh, right foot with your team that you're going to manage. That's how you build respect as a boss, let me tell you. So whenever I think something might be terrible, I think back to that moment and realize that it would take something uh, pretty bad to be, to be worse than that. Touching wood, fingers crossed. A proper end bit that doesn't come at my expense on next week's Arscast. Until then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.